Last week we covered the promised land of the fathers, and tonight we're going to look at the promised land to the Israelites through the law that Moses received from God. Uh, last week we covered Genesis and Exodus, which was the promises made to the to the fathers. Uh, Abram, who became Abraham, Isaac, who had a son named Jacob, who became Israel, and 400 and some years later, Moses. God gives the same promises. So not to teach uh, all the scriptures again, but to slowly read the highlighted portions from, from uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 7, we see these phrases that I think we can read the phrases and it's not taken out of context. Uh, the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country to a land that I will show you. And Abram's response was to depart and he went to the land of Canaan. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants, I will give you this land. And Abram worshiped there, built an altar. Then chapter 13 Verses 14 to 17, we see these words. The Lord said to Abram, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the place which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. Now we'd have to dig into the Hebrew. Does the word forever mean from now on or forever or to the end of time? Don't know, but this is a huge promise that God wasn't backing down from. And uh, verse 17, he told him, Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. So God gives him this promise. Then chapter 15, verse 18 to 21, is this promise. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. So, Egypt, the Nile River, to the Euphrates River. That's quite an expanse. And then you've got the Mediterranean and then the Red Sea and certain borders there that later he gives. And in the course of time he becomes Abraham. And chapter 22, 15 to 17, God says to him through the angel of the Lord that called to him a second time out of heaven, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. So what is a gate? It's a location. It, it, it's a connection to geography. It's, I believe it, in, it, it relates to the land of, of their enemies. Um, Jesus told us that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of God. So there's a geographical in, impact that Jesus' church has, I believe, in reaching nations with the gospel. Then uh, one of each here. And then Isaac comes along, the miracle child. And uh, chapter 26, the Lord appeared to him and said... Verse 2, live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. 
And then Isaac has a son named Jacob, and he repeats the same blessing. He called him and blessed him in chapter 28, verse 3. He said, May God Almighty bless you, verse 4, and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. So God visits Abraham, gives him this promise of the land more than once, makes a covenant with Abraham, and makes an oath to Abraham regarding the land. He repeats it to Isaac, and then Isaac passes it on to Jacob. And then later, Jacob has an experience with God where he sees a ladder with angels going up and down, and the Lord stood above the ladder, verse 13 of uh, Genesis 28. The Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Verse 15, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. So this land is like a magnet for these people, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, when God made this covenant with Abraham, put him to sleep and passed between the pieces, he told him, your, your descendants are going to go into Egypt. It'll be a dark season. It was four centuries. You realize how long that is? I mean, America is only yeah. 241 years old, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 400 plus years of slavery. Man. And then 40 years in the wilderness. Man. Just, uh, I remember the centennial year. Uh, the bicentennial, 1976. My parents were traveling across America, raising support to go to Rhodesia as, as missionaries. My brothers and I were still at home. We had a trio, so we sang in churches from California to Florida. It was the funnest eight months of our life, really. It was great. Partly because it was a bicentennial year. 76 just made a huge impression on my mind because everybody all year long was celebrating the nation. That was 41 years ago. I cannot imagine being in the wilderness from then till now. You know? So, 400 and some years later, God visits a man named Moses and speaks to him through a burning bush in Exodus 3. He told him in verse 7, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. Verse 8, so I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. So God remembered his promise. He remembered his covenant and his oath. Uh, verse 17, he said, I have said, this is what Moses was to tell the children of Israel, that God had said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and the termites and the bedbug bites <laughs> to a land flowing with milk and honey. In chapter 6, God speaks to Moses, verse 2, and says to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but my name, Lord, by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. So he revealed himself to Moses as Yahweh. In an effort to not take his name in vain, 
the children of Israel chose to not pronounce that name and so translated into Lord in caps that's normally Yahweh or some people would say Jehovah Yehovah I was not known to them by that name I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers latter part of verse 5 I have remembered my covenant therefore say to the children of Israel I am the Lord I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians verse 8 I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham Isaac and Jacob and I will give it to you as a heritage I am the Lord now God's given them this land but it's impossible for them to take possession of it without God's help <laughs> so faith in his promise has to take them through because there's giants in the land there's hornets in the land there's enemies um, in chapter 13 the Lord establishes the festival of unleavened bread to remember the night they were delivered from slavery when they didn't have time for the bread to rise um, and it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep this service in this month. So the key is to eat this every year to remember you're in the promised land, to not take this for granted, to remember the slavery God brought you out of. The whole relationship with God that the children of Israel had was one based on remembering stuff. <laughs> and I think it applies to believers of all denominations, how quickly we forget. So they were to stack stones wherever significant things happened. And, you know, make not idols, but memorials to remember the living God. And so this Feast of Unleavened Bread, the matzah, is to remind them of that. And the communion meal is to be with matzah, because Christ without, was without sin, and he delivered us from slavery. All right. Um, then chapter 23, God speaks to Moses. Verse 31, I will set your bounds from the Red Sea to the sea. So from the Red Sea to, if you know where the Red Sea is, to the Mediterranean. That's that's a boundary there between those two things. Philistia, from Philistia, which is kind of the Gaza Strip, and from the desert to the river, I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. And then in verse 32, um, Moses reminds God, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel to whom you swore by your own self. All this land that I have spoken of, I give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. And then chapter 33, Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. And so there's enemies there that don't want this to take place. But God, his will that he has said it, he's going to prove himself to be strong on behalf of his people. So tonight we're going to get into the law, but before we move on, has anybody else had any thoughts from what we shared last week that you didn't get a chance to say or that, that we need to remember? 
All right, we're we're not. I'm doing my best to not play hopscotch, you know, to move back and forth through the Bible to build a case. We're just taking it in sequence. When 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 the land is brought up, obviously we're not. Uh, this is Genesis and Exodus, but it's not all the verses dealing with the land. It's just a selection of them. Tonight we're going to look at Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the giving of the law and the commands that deal with the land. And I kind of believe God's relationship with the Jews involves the land because it involves his promise, it involves his covenant, and the land is important. All right, the law. Why Israel Matters Part 2, Promised Land to the Israelites. In Leviticus 25, verse 38, the Lord said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now keep in mind they're in the wilderness. They're not yet in the land. They're between the two. Um, to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. The two things go hand in hand. If they don't want God to be their God, then they're going to lose the land. All right, chapter 26, the Lord says in verse 27, And after all this, if you do not obey me, but walk contrary to me, then I also will walk contrary to you in fury. And I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. Verse 32, I will bring the land, this promised land, I will bring to desolation. And your enemies who dwell in it shall be astonished at it. In other words, for you, it's a land of milk and honey. But if you don't obey me, I'm going to drive you to the nations. We'll see this reiterated in other places. And the people that come in and inhabit this place will be astonished at how the land is desolate. In the 1800s, Mark Twain visited Israel and pretty much said it was useless. Just a bunch of mosquitoes and swamps. No good. Deserts and rocks. How is this possible? How could it flourish under them, but not for their enemies? Let's read on. Verse 34. Then the land shall enjoy its Sabbaths as long as it lies desolate, and you are in your enemy's land. Then the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. As long as it lies desolate, it shall rest. For the time it did not rest on your Sabbath when you dwelt on it, dwelt in it. In other words, every so many years, was it every seven years they were to give the land a break? Yes. Yeah. yes. And if you people don't do this, I'm going to give the land a break. When I drive you to other lands, your enemies come in. They're not going to be able to raise nothing on it. Uh, raise much on it the land's going to get a break the desolation is a rest for the land so he's already kind of prophesying right here because he's talking in past tense <laughs> like they've already yes yeah so that's interesting. now we know the prophets get into some of this but here it is in their law yeah <laughs> we have we have several videos to watch on israel that we will in the coming weeks and some of them bring this out how others have lived there and not been able to do much. Look, but look, here's world championship wine. Mm -hmm. You know, wine contests, they they drink this selection of wines and choose the best one, not knowing where it's from. Mm -hmm. And Israel's been winning, winning awards, award-winning stuff. 
grown on that land where, you know, people before them couldn't. So during this time before he scattered them, was the land, I'm assuming it was a lot more lush and everything than what we see now? Land flowing with milk and honey. And it's becoming that now under yes. their, in fact, the grape harvests are so huge, they're begging for people to come harvest them because they don't have enough laborers. So they hire Palestinians or, or Arabs, and this is kind of a risk. So their Americans go over there to harvest grapes. Kind of their mission to bless the farmers. I've seen some of their grapes. Even when I was a kid in the 60s, I remember Israeli grapes, pictures, seeing pictures of them. It's huge. So this is kind of, you know, you guys, this is what's going to happen. But, verse 30, verse, verse 40, but if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me, and that they also have walked contrary to me, goes on to describe, you know, how, how humiliating they're going to do to themselves, how, how they're going to humble themselves. Uh, verse 42, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, my covenant with Isaac, my covenant with Abraham. I will remember, I will remember the land. Verse 44, yet for all that, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, nor shall I abhor them to utterly destroy them and break my covenant with them, for I am the Lord their God. But for their sake, I will remember the covenant of their ancestors. And that covenant involved the land, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so now the book of Numbers. Verse chapter 15. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you have come into the land you are to inhabit, which I am giving you, here's what you're supposed to do. Verse 52. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, To these the land shall be divided as an inheritance according to the number of the names. So they weren't just this mob coming in, taking this land, but there was order. Tribal boundaries were going to be set and family boundaries were going to be set. All the tribes got land allotted to them, except for the Levites. Does anybody remember why? They're the priests. They were the priests, and the The Lord Lord was their their inheritance. inheritance. Yeah, the Lord's their inheritance. The Lord is their inheritance. Uh, chapter 27, verse 12. Now the Lord said to Moses, Go up into this mountain, Abarim, and see the land which I have given to the children of Israel. They were so close they could see it. But God is <clears throat> promising them this and keeping this promise alive in Moses' heart by showing it to him. All right, chapter 33, verse 50. Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you have crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you, destroy all their engraved stones, Destroy all their molded images and demolish all their high places. Destroy all the artifacts. (laughs) 
You shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell in it, for I have given you the land to possess. Uh, God's very politically incorrect, isn't he? I believe the tribes living, the nations living in this land were very wicked, horrible, and God was going to use Israel to deal with them. If you have any insights on that, feel feel free to speak up on that. All right, uh, Numbers 34. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, verse 2, Command the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land of Canaan, this is a land that shall fall to you as an inheritance the land of Canaan to its boundaries. Your southern border shall be from the wilderness of Zin along the border of Edom. Then your southern border shall extend eastward to the end of the Salt Sea. Your border shall turn from the southern side of the ascent of Akrabim, continue to Zin and be on the south of Kadesh Barnea. Then it shall be it shall go on to Hazar Adar, Adar, Hazar Adar, and continue to Asmon, the border shall turn from Asmon to the brook of Egypt, and it shall end at the sea. As for the western border, you shall have the great sea for a border, that is the Mediterranean. This shall be your western border, and this shall be your northern border. From the great sea, you shall mark out your borderline to Mount Hor. From Mount Hor, you shall mark out your border to the entrance of Hamath. Then the direction of the border shall be toward Zedad. The border shall, produce, shall proceed to Ziphron, and it shall end at Hazar Enon. This shall be your northern border. You shall mark out your eastern border. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? Come on in. Sorry, Come, on in. Okay. Come on in. Come on in. Welcome. All right. Great. Um, this was what we covered last week the promises of the land to the fathers of Israel Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and then renewed to um, Moses 400 years later given the same promises of the land yep. and in the process God makes a covenant with Abraham he swears an oath to Abraham, and then he visits with Isaac, and then Isaac repeats all this to Jacob, and then God visits with Jacob, gives him the same promise mm -hmm. of this land. And then as God had revealed to Abraham, their children were going to go into slavery, you know, go into Egypt. 400 years later, God begins to renew this promise to Moses. So that was lesson one. Just looking at some of the passages, not all of them, in Genesis and Exodus regarding the land, promised land to the children of Moses. And now tonight, we're looking at Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the commands of the law dealing with the land. We're reading the whole passages, but next week we will review by just reading, by just reading the highlighted sure, parts. Sure, great. So where were we? Um, you were outlining the borders of the. Um, yes. Number, number, chapter thirty-four, number thirty-four. 
All right. Verse 10, you shall mark out your eastern border from Hazar Enad to Shepham. Pardon my pronunciation if it's incorrect. The border shall go down from Shepham to Riblah on the east side of Ain or Ain. The border shall go down and reach to the eastern side of the Sea of Kinnereth. The border shall go down along the Jordan. It shall end at the Salt Sea. This shall be your land with its surrounding boundaries. Now, here's a simpler map of Israel. The full promised land that God gave to Abraham. They never did inhabit all that. Nope. It's the full promise. They never did inhabit it all. The other is what they were going to take to begin with. That was their beachhead, the land allotted to Israelites. Now, the reason in my mind for not taking all of it is they didn't have enough people to inhabit it, and the enemies living there, even though they were paying in their neck, were taking care of the buzzards and the hornets and the snakes and the <laughs> other creatures that would come in. So they were serving God's purposes. But as people are... Sinners, they give in to enemies. Uh, Solomon began to make treaties with those people, but that, that I'm getting ahead of myself anyway. Rather than conquering, he made peace treaties, and to secure the deal, he would marry the king's daughter and wound up with 700 women leading him astray. All right, looking at the law and the commands dealing with the land, this is, again, this is just some of the laws that deal with the land. We're just looking at a sampling. Um, Deuteronomy 1, verse 8. God says, See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and their descendants after them. So here's Moses, 40 years in the wilderness, leading these people to this land, and God just keeps hammering away. He's giving them the law. Um, you know, forming their culture there in the wilderness as, as a unique people, giving them the commands to live by and the sacrificial system by which their sins can be atoned for. Although there were 36 transgressions, you were cut off. So there was no atonement for those. That's why Christ is so much better. He can justify us from things the law of Moses couldn't. All right, chapter 3 of Deuteronomy. Um God says again, Then I commanded you, verse 18, at that time saying, The Lord your God has given you this land to possess. All you men of valor shall cross over armed before your brethren, the children of Israel. But command Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him. For he shall go over before this people and he shall cause them to inherit the land which you shall see. Now we know, we'll see here at the end of these passages, Moses saw it, but he did not inherit it himself. <clears throat> Chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, verse 10, So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, this is Moses speaking, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, Hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. 
And verse 18, you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with you, that you may go in and possess the good land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to cast out all your enemies from before you, as the Lord has spoken. Chapter 8, verse 1. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. Chapter 11, verse 22. For if you carefully keep all these commandments, which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you, and you will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourselves. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours, from the wilderness and Lebanon, to the river, the river Euphrates, even to the western sea shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God shall put the dread of you and the fear of you upon all the land where you tread, just as he has said to you. You ever think how the world might be different if they had walked in the fullness of that? Yeah. In obedience to God? Gosh. We may not have some of the problems we That's have in the world right. today. It would be totally right. different, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. For sure. And the converse is true. All of the problems that they created, we still see some yeah. of the problems today. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> Chapter 12 of Deuteronomy, verse 1. These are the statutes and judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. So that's they long, weren't supposed a, to lose it. That's a long time, isn't it? Yeah, their whole <laughs> life. Yeah. All right, chapter 16 of Deuteronomy, verse 20. You shall follow what is altogether just, that you may live and inherit the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Chapter 26, verse 9. He has brought you to this place and has given you this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. We shared last week, to me, this speaks of flora and fauna. Fauna is where the milk comes from. Flora is where the honey comes from. Bees and cattle. Bees and sheep. Bees and goats. Honey. Milk and honey. So um, it's a rich land. It's a ve vegetative land. Wonderful land. Which, if you don't mind, just for the sake of those that came in, that we just review, going back to page 1, chapter 26 of Leviticus, verse 27, God said, After all this, if you do not may obey me, but walk contrary to me, then I also will walk contrary to you in fury, and I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. And he goes on and says, I'm going to scatter you to the nations. This is in the law. Sorry. Yeah. Then he, this is unique. Then he says, then he says, I will bring the land to desolation, and your enemies who dwell in it will be astonished at it. In other words, can you imagine coming in to conquer a land that's flowing with milk and honey and it becomes desolate under your rule? It did. It did. It became desolate. Yeah. This was the, this was the law. 
The land shall enjoy its Sabbaths as long as it lies desolate and you are in your enemy's land, then the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. Verse 35, as long as it lies desolate, it shall rest for the time it did not rest on your Sabbaths when you dwelt on it. In other words, I want to run you off because you guys have been disobedient to me. And one of the things that disobedient is not trusting God to take care of them that year they were going to let their farms rest. So God says, you guys owe me some Sabbaths for this farm. Oh, let the land rest by making it desolate. Nobody can grow anything on it. But if they confess their iniquity, verse 40, and the iniquity of their fathers with their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me, that they have also walked contrary to me, verse 42, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, with Isaac, with Abraham. I will remember. I will remember the land. And we have some videos we'll watch in future weeks where <laughs> amazing stories from the farmlands that they just take desolate land and plant vineyards and they're, they're growing award-winning grapes. Yeah. <laughs> they are. Why? The Sabbaths are over. Now it's time to... The land has rested. God's blessing is now on it. So. But the law worked in. They'd better, Israel had better heed now God's will. We really need to pray for Israel. I mean, Jerusalem just had its 15th annual gay pride parade. Jerusalem did. I knew Tel Aviv was doing nonsense like that. But Jerusalem did. So we got to pray for them. Anyway. Lord have mercy. <laughs> so pray for the peace of Jerusalem is, is a peace we need on many fronts. All right, before I backtracked, had we read Deuteronomy 8? Uh, yeah, yes. 11? Mm -hmm. I thought we were on 26. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're on the back page. Okay, back page, yes. 26. Moses writes, He has brought us to this land and has given us brought us to this place and has given us this land a land flowing with milk and honey God calls those things which be not as though they were called Abram Abraham the father of many tells Israel there in the wilderness there's your land and it wasn't their land but it is by faith right now faith is a substance of things hoped for alright here's this promise Deuteronomy 28 11 the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body in the increase of your livestock, in the produce of your ground, where? In the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. Deuteronomy 30. Now it shall come to pass when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you, and you, remit, and you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will bring you. Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, 
and you shall possess it. You can repossess. <laughs> they got dispossessed. Now they can repossess. Exactly. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. Verse 19. God speaks again. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. So God is our life. He's the length of our life. <clears throat> And he determines where we live. So we don't make an idol out of the land. But the God who promised the land is the one worthy of our faith and our obedience. So in my mind, this is a promise made to Abraham's natural descendants. Now how do Gentiles fit in? Well, they fit in where we realize we are grafted in. We're grafted in. And we have respect for the covenant God made with Abraham, which was before the law. God initiated this covenant with Abraham. And we are grafted into that. We are his children by faith. And he believed uh, um, in the gospel. It was a metaphor for him, but he believed it. He believed in the miraculous birth of his seed. Isaac, miracle child. He believed in the resurrection of his seed, that if God was to have him sacrifice his son, he was able to raise him up. He also believed in the substitution of his seed. When Isaac asked him, Father, where is the sacrifice? He said, God is able to provide for himself a sacrifice. And he understood God is Jehovah Jireh. God's our provider, right? Mm -hmm. Which literally means in the mountain of the Lord, he shall be seen. And so from that place, you could see where the Son of God would be offered as a sacrifice. They were within eyesight of each other, I believe, anyway. Uh, so Abraham, by faith, was declared to be righteous. So his life preaches the gospel to us. And so we are grafted into that. So his descendants are worthy of our love. I'll bless those who bless your descendants, and I will curse those who curse them. We've got to bless them. And according to Romans 11, if their blindness has been blessing to the Gentiles, what would their seeing be but life from the dead? You think things are awesome now in the kingdom of God? Wait till their eyes start getting open, which is already happening. There's 200 Yeshua worshiping congregations now in the land of Israel, I understand. Um, some of them may be kind of way out there, but God's doing something in the land. In the land. In fact, the Messianic movement in America is not really impressive to me. But what God is doing in other nations, primarily in Israel, really is impressive. It's awesome. Yet God's using a Messianic movement in America to facilitate all that too. So it's just awesome that um, the man who planted the work there in your country came. Messianic believer found the Lord here. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. All right, now here's the sad part of the story. Chapter 34, Deuteronomy. Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. 
And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. I'm going to go there at some time and stand there and look and see all that he saw, right? Then the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So he crossed over to that city whose builder and maker is God. He crossed over to the ultimate <laughs> land, right? Yes. That's good. Well, I want to welcome everybody here. We're just slowly going through the scriptures in sequence, not hopping back and forth, but in sequence, seeing the, the promise renewed to the conquerors and the kings and the prophets. And uh, what well, is amazing what's happening to the land over there. It is. From where it yeah. came from. And then we'll watch videos. Yeah, I think I've got two more weeks in me. <laughs> and then we're going into the videos. Got to tell that one story. Were you there the night uh, that Tommy's son, uh, Tommy uh, Waller's son, did the thing on the wine? Yes. The whole history. Remember the one about when they found the seeds in the jar, and and they took them to Italy, and they planted them in Italy. And they, long time ago. Long time ago. And they were growing the best best grapes in the world. Flourishing in okay. Italy. All right. Remember that, yeah. right? And then uh, when when uh, the Jews came back to Israel, they brought the, somebody brought the seeds back to Israel. From those vineyards from to those Israel. From those vineyards and planted those seeds in Israel, and they flourished. Awesome. And then but, the seeds in, in in Italy, not so much. The ones in Italy. <laughs> like the blessing came off of them. Died. Oh, Didn't wow. produce anymore. And did it produce for years in Italy until they yeah. took it? Yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. Wow. It's just not what it was. Almost wow. the same year. Yeah, the same year. You're right. Wow. You know, they're flourishing over <laughs> in Israel. And there's no grapes in the world like Israeli grapes. Big too. Oh, they're huge. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's amazing what they're doing over there. Their agriculture is just well. They invented the cherry tomato too. <laughs> did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, they did. The they little cherries. The cherry they invented the cherry tomato. Huh. Yeah. Well, yeah. We need to keep praying for them though, because what you said a while ago, the the world is. Coming in and saying you have to do it like we do it here in America. Right, politically correct. And now, yeah. that's what they say. Okay. 